Welcome to the OTH podcast. My name is Paige Young, and I'm an intelligence officer in the United States Air Force. Today we have the opportunity to talk to Colonel Doug DeMeo, Vice Commander at the Curtis LeMay Center for Doctrine Development at Maxwell Air Force Base. Colonel DeMeo spoke to us about the genesis of the Air Force's multi-domain command and control initiative, how this initiative will allow the Air Force to hold adversaries at risk, and the Air Force's new 13 Oscar career field. Before we begin, we invite you to connect with Over the Horizon Journal on our website, OTHjournal.com, on Facebook at OTHMDOS, Twitter at OTH underscore MDOS, or in LinkedIn by searching for Over the Horizon. We also invite your feedback on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast client. All right. Good morning, Colonel DeMeo. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you for being with us. Um, We wanted to start out by talking a little bit about your background and um, how you came into this position of being a leader in the MDC2 career field. Yes. uh, Glad to be talking with you guys today. This is a really important topic and extremely relevant to our Air Force as we move into the future. So uh, my career has been a little bit uh, non-standard. I was banked, which means I had to wait to go fly uh, at a pilot training. So I got a chance to be a logistics officer. So I got a different side of things than most people did and led at a very young age. So I kind of saw a different side of the Air Force and how to get um, make things happen, how things really happen, which is logistics in my opinion. Um, and then I went off to fly the F-16 for about 13 years, became a squadron commander, uh, in that time, I went to SAMS, the School of Advanced Military Studies out at Fort Leavenworth, and focused on operational warfare. Uh, I fell in love with it. That was exactly what I, uh, my affinity is for that, and it fit, it fit in with a lot of things I'd done before. Um, went in, uh, finished out uh, at Shaw Air Force Base, and then went off to the Eisenhower School and did a strategy program there, which focused on China. And again, once again, I had this amazing opportunity to put it together. Um, then I went to... Um, out to Italy and led an AOC at Poggio Renatico was right after the Libya campaign and got a chance to transition to a deployable air command and control center and put all that stuff I learned before together and I could talk about that for an hour but I won't then came out to LeMay Center director of doctrine got into this started with the air superiority ECCT then moved into multi-domain again I could talk a lot about that but that's how that all worked the bottom line is I developed an affinity for operational warfare expertise at an early age, and I've been working on it ever since. All right. So um, as the multi-domain command and control initiative has been developed in the Air Force, how has the Air Force figured out where its gaps were in the competencies, or did the gaps in competencies drive the initiative? Very good question. So as we look at the current situation in the Air Force. Um, We've been focused on small wars, um, that kind of regional conflict, Iraq and Afghanistan. Let's be very honest. That was our focus for 20 years. We've taken our eye off of a larger competition because we felt like we didn't need to focus on that. And this is this is a human thing. This is a nation thing. It's happened throughout history. If you look at Rome, Great Britain, this is what happens uh, to nations, and they take their eye off the big picture. And you know what? The big picture was we had a lot of folks being killed in those areas, and we had to take care of it. We spent a lot of money upgrading our tactical air force to support ground operations, and we did. A, I, I was in the middle of that. I saw that in Iraq. Um, we have taken our take our focus off of peer competition, and they all went to school. Um, our capabilities right now are lacking for the peer fight. 
in equipment, and this is all across the services, and in the way we talk to each other. In the time that we focused in Iraq and Afghanistan, we have had the recognition that space and cyber and now EMS are places that the adversary is competing heavily, and we have not done so well. So the gap now is the recognition that as we look towards China and Russia and we're seeing what they're doing, analyzing their, their game plan, reading their, their literature, we're figuring out, wow, they are competing here. And as we look back at our force, we're saying we, we are not ready for this fight in equipment in training and also in command and control because we have not heretofore had to connect space and cyber and EMS to our air operations and it became very apparent very quickly that we needed to link these together and that's the initiative of multi-domain command and control. Um, so the Air Force isn't the only service that's looking at multi-domain. Um, if you can speak to it, has there been any collaboration with the Army or the Marine Corps who've been working on a multi-domain battle concept? Um, as uh, we continue on the path developing our our own concept? Great question. So the Army is the one that's closest aligned to what we're doing. As a matter of fact, they started out with multi-domain battle about a year and a half ago. Actually, it was a year ago. I was at a war game up at, um, in Suffolk at the Lighthouse with the Army uh, and the Air Force. It was an ACC and TRADOC initiative. And we became, it became very apparent that we had common interests. And that was connecting our different uh, services and within the services between armor and artillery, for example, or space and air. And we said, we have a common issue here. We started to work on this, and General Holmes has done an, done an amazing job of laying that out and furthering that for the Air Force. And we have a lot in common with the Army. As a matter of fact, the Army has now accepted and adopted the term multi-domain operations instead of multi-domain battle. And they have fleshed out doctrine. They have fleshed out concepts, and it is into the force. The Air Force has not done that yet. Um, we have a different process. That's another hour-long discussion about doctrine and the way we think about things as airmen and why we don't think doctrine like the Army does. But as far as the Marines and the Navy go, not as, not as developed as far as the term multi-domain, but they are doing their own type of uh, discussion on how to link, for example, undersea, sea, and air, and space in the in the Navy, for example, with resilient communications. How do we connect this together? They call it something a little bit different. Uh, I would say the Navy's, from what I've seen, uh, very focused on that, and since the Marines are part of them, they're together. So speaking of war games, uh, last November in 2018, the LeMay Center hosted the Doolittle War Game, which was the first in a series of war games focused on multi-domain command and control. How valuable were the outcomes and challenges identified in the war game to identify gaps in the Air Force's MDC-2 initiative? Yeah, so um, extremely uh, relevant. And it's one of those things that you want to jump to, let's get to the solution right now. What is, and, uh, and you'll hear me talk about this, my opinion, multi-domain operations is the end state. This is what we want. We need a methodology of how we're going to operate globally, global operational maneuver of how we use airspace, cyber, EMS together in one package. And we do not have the force structure in space or in cyber to do this, we are getting there. We're thinking about how to link these together. It first started with doctrine. Um, when I first got here in 2015, there was, there was space control and very little discussion about how to, how to combat in space because we couldn't talk about it. Space national policy, 2010, 
limited us from talking about that. And lo and behold, as we worked on the air superiority ECCT, we found we needed multi-domain operations to link these together. That led to the multi-domain C2 ECCT. And then as, as that went along, I developed the doctrine and I straw manned out counterspace and countercyber. Counterspace has taken hold and the folks out of Shriver are working on that right now. Um, cyber is a little bit different. We've adopted the joint structure um, and Cybercom has its own lexicon. And you know, if you don't have that Rosetta Stone between the three, it's gonna be very difficult. Okay, so that leads to multi-domain command and control. Um, as part of the three initiatives that we had in MDC2 under General Saltzman, we had the war game, we have a, a uh, development DevOps structure, and that's out at Kayak and uh, out at Nellis, um, and then we have the 13 Oscar. So as far as the war game part of this, we actually did a tabletop exercise, and the outcomes of that were not profound, but we were able to put regimen behind our our, what, our assumptions and even some of the things we were thinking, hey, this looks about right. Every group saw the need for multi-domain operations to be run by experts, which is the 13 Oscar. So we had three groups. Every group saw there's a technology gap across the domains to lead to that, uh, the coordination, which we determined you need a multi-domain operations center where you link the cyber capabilities, you link them cyber or EMS together in one place instead of just having it air. Because we heretofore, we've had space separate from air, separate from cyber. And the third one is every group saw the need for a force construct that you could actually do this. So as far as Doolittle goes, um, the outcomes were those three things. We put regimen behind it. And now those three things have being, are being tested, for example, in the Futures War game, which just happened last week and the week before. And we put uh, even more structure behind what the Enders group came up with, for example. Long answer to a short question. So um, two things. I do want to follow up on um, your mention of the 13 Oscar career field. Uh, but before we go into that, um, you discussed some of the technology gaps that were identified in, in the Doolittle War Games. Um, can you speak to that a little bit more specifically? So um, I can. Um, I'm currently flying with the 187th the F-16s uh, that they have, the C models that I flew in when I first started flying them. This is 30 years old. Some of the communications are, in fact, all of them are almost exactly the same as when I left. Uh, we have added saddle, we've added, added data link capabilities, but as far as your frequency hopping, secure radio, almost exactly the same. We've added SATCOM, which has been great. Um, the encryption capability, the secure, the ability to secure those communications is absolutely critical because we rely on them so much and we have not made a whole lot of progress um, in that. We did not focus on technology in the Doolittle War Game. We focused on the processes about the access to information. We talked about uh, am I able to to talk because of the classifications, right, to have access to because of that. The technology we did not focus on specifically because we don't want folks to say we need a new airplane, we need a new radio, right? We were talking general concepts. However, when I look at well, there's one thing, I need the ability to secure my communications. I have to have that. So whatever way we can do that, that's technologically what we need to focus on to secure our communications. So answer your question, no specific technology, but the area of connectivity. Thank you, sir. Um, so one of the elements that's part of the MDC2 initiative is the initiation of the 13 Oscar program. 
What expectations does General Goldfein have for future 13 Oscar leaders? I know we had the first board just convened, and so we have the, the first class of students that are going to be starting this summer. So um, I spoke with him about MDC2 about four months ago. Actually, it's about six, so it was right before the war game. And um, I don't know specifically what his thoughts about 13 Oscar are as far as what they're going to do um, from it on a day-to-day basis, but I, I think I'm very close by saying he wants these folks to be the experts in command and control and how we're going to go into the future, and they are going to be the grease that makes the connectivity happen, the experts down in the field. We're talking about weapons operations centers, having the 13 Oscar down at the unit itself at a wing so that we can now, if they have to, operate semi-autonomously because you have an expert there who knows the AOC or MDOC or whatever we're going to call it in the future of how to run an operation at the base level. I think that's his expectation from what I understand. Okay. Um <clears throat> and he wants to fight wings. I do know that for sure. We talked a lot about that. How have a wing commander as someone who can fight the base. You know the base. You can, you can bring it into theater. You can logistically support it. You can fight it, and then you can withdraw. So going back to the, the 13 Oscar career field, um, so this is one component of trying to change the mindset of the Air Force into a more multi-domain approach. Um, as they become integrated in the AOCs and staff positions, how do you think their recommendations based on the MDC2 concept will be received by our senior leaders since they kind of came up in a different thought process, more focusing on air power versus the integration of airspace and the electromagnetic spectrum? It is, remains to be seen, and I've talked to all of you about uh, this is something new, and it's risky career-wise, right? You don't know what's going to happen. We, it, uh, by not doing it, we're taking even more risk. But on a personal level, when you go into this field, you don't know what's going to happen. That doesn't matter, in my opinion, in the big picture, right? You do this because it's an absolute need. Um, I don't know how the 13 Oscar is going to flesh out in the long term, but my money's on it. I think these folks are going to get in the field. I think they're going to create a lot of value at the wing level, at the squadron and wing level and higher, and that connectivity is going to run through the Air Force, and we're going to start to understand how important C2 is. I really believe that. I think this is a great return on investment. It's going to take some time, um, and I think it's extremely exciting. And when you look out into industry, this is where they're going to. They want folks who can connect. I have a very good friend at one of uh, one of the major uh, auto manufacturers. They are doing the exact same thing right now. They are connecting their vehicles to a main hub. They are talking about their own network. Everybody's doing relatively the same thing. So it's high value, not just for the Air Force, but society at large. Um, do you think the um, the 13 Oscars will be able to integrate well with the other services? Do the other services have a, a similar type of career field, or will we ever go to a construct like the PRC has with the PLSF? Um, so I haven't seen... The other services have an initiative like this, although they like it. When I talk to them, I go, we, we need something like that. Here's my hope, that it becomes, you make, you make it so important that everybody wants some of that and that the programs here at SOS want some of that, ACSC, 
Air War College wants some of that. The Wing Commander wants some of that. So they send their what they consider the folks that are going to be promoted and and value out in, in as an instructor pilot. Instructor pilot at the NF-16 wing, for example. I want him or her to know the C2 structure so it becomes more prolific. And it may even be that the entire thing gets absorbed by the Air Force as so important that everybody does more of it, right? However, I still think you're going to have the experts in C2. Um, that's my hope. I hope that answers your question. Absolutely, sir. Well, uh, thank you for your time. We really appreciate um, your perspective on the multi-domain um, command and control initiative. Is, uh, do you have any closing comments you'd like to share with us? I do. I, it's really hard to project into the future what you need. Um, but beyond a doubt, here's what I see in the Air Force. Uh, and who knows what's going to happen with a space service at some point, but this is what I see in the Air Force, is that the air has become so contested right now. And we have always talked about going up faster, going faster, going higher, um, shooting farther, and we've stopped at relatively about 70,000 feet. We need to go much higher. So my thought about this is when you're looking at MDO, which I'd really like to get to at some point, is you got to outrange the adversary's defenses. You got to go up. You got to hold them at risk from orbit, right? So there is a, a vision of a force out there that's got space assets, long range, uh, perhaps fighter and bomber assets, and you've got EMS and cyber you're contesting in that you can create that door opener and then hold the adversary at risk. The Air Force needs to get back to not just creating the conditions of air superiority for the joint force, but holding the adversary at risk. This was the reason we became a separate service, not to create superiority. It is to hold the adversary at risk, and we need to get back with that with long range and higher and faster assets. To me, this is the MDO um, vision that we need to get to, and what I've been working on, hopefully we'll get to that at some point. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for your time, sir. We appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for listening to this episode of Over the Horizon Podcast. Do you want to continue the conversation? Connect with us on our website, OTHjournal.com, on Facebook at OTHMDOS, on Twitter at OTH underscore MDOS, or by searching for Over the Horizon on LinkedIn. We also invite your feedback on Apple Podcasts or your podcast client.